Life is an epic journey. Live it unleashed. Hey, fellow journeyers, Jeremy here. Welcome back to the Living Unleashed podcast. You know, life is an epic journey, and we want to live it unleashed. God offers us a passionate life that is defined by hope, filled with joy, marked by peace, and walks in freedom. And here at the Living Unleashed podcast, we are intentionally shaping our lives that we might experience this living unleashed life. We are intentionally shaping our lives by journeying with Luke uh, through the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. Today, we are on Acts chapter 12. In Acts chapter 12, we have a, a really awesome narrative about Peter being released from prison. This is a uh, narrative that's near and dear to my heart, um, one that I remember even from my uh, uh, youth days. And I think the reason is, is because uh, Amy Grant uh, sang a song that told this story um, about Peter. This, I think the song was called Angels Watching Over Me. And uh, I can still remember the lyrics to that. I'll save you by not singing that verse to you. Uh, but uh, it really embedded this entire account into, uh, into my heart and etched it into my life. And so uh, uh, I really like it. it. It brings back some, some good memories about my uh, uh, time at church camps and, and the like uh, from my youth days. So uh, uh, this, like I said, this, this was near and dear to my heart. But uh, it's just really powerful, okay? I mean, the short story is, Peter gets arrested. Herod wants to make a uh, an example of him, basically, uh, but has to kind of delay because of the Passover. So he puts him in prison. Herod wants to make sure he does not get out. Nobody frees him. So he puts 16 guards on duty to keep him overnight, probably changing shifts. Not all 16 were watching him at the same time, but still wanted to make sure there were fresh eyes on him at all times. All right. Um, what ends up happening? Angel comes, taps Peter on the side and says, hey, wake up, we're getting out of here. And uh, chains fall off, the guards are asleep, they walk right out past the guards standing in the, in the hallway, the iron gate at the, at the entrance to the prison opens up, the angel walks him about a block away and then disappears. And Peter goes back to the house where uh, the, the believers were gathered praying for him knocks on the door, and uh, we're given even the name of the person. It was a servant named Rhoda who answers the door, and, and she gets so excited, she can't believe it's actually Peter's voice. She takes off running back to tell everybody, uh, Peter's out there, didn't bother to let him in. And they didn't believe her, but they finally went, and they discovered it was indeed Peter. So, man, what an awesome, awesome account. But I want us to look back at this here for just a minute. I think one of these key verses is this, and it is in verse 5 there of chapter 12. It says, So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Now, what Luke does here in that verse is he directly ties this miraculous intervention by God sending the angel to the church's earnest prayers. Now think about that. Luke ties for us God's activity, miraculous activity of sending this angel. He directly ties that to the church 
earnestly praying to God for him. Now, one of the things that's really interesting in this is that just earlier in verse 2 of the same chapter, we're told that Herod had already arrested and martyred James, the brother of John. He had been put to death by the sword. Now, I believe that it is safe to assume that when James was arrested by Herod, that the church earnestly prayed for him as well. Yet he was martyred. So they come to this moment here with Peter. And what is fresh, at least in from the narrative standpoint, now how much time there had been since James and Peter, we don't know, but but what was fresh in what's fresh in the narrative is Luke makes sure to tell us James had already been martyred. Yet the church earnestly prays to God for him. I think one of the things that gets in the way of our earnest praying is the fact that we feel we have had other prayers that went unanswered or were answered in ways other than what we were looking for. I believe one of the things that keeps us from earnestly praying is the fact that when we really get down to it, we have this underlying thinking and belief that God's not going to do anything anyway because he didn't do something over here. And I believe that is, that's, that's not the proper thinking. And what was demonstrated here in this passage is that the church prays. I mean, they had, they had already lost folks. Stephen had been martyred. James had been martyred. Those are just two large names that are given to us up to this point. We have no reason to think that they're the only two. They've experienced the heavy hand of persecution, especially in Jerusalem, especially from the religious leaders, and now from Herod. So we have no reason to believe that they had not already experienced losing leaders and losing friends and losing people from the movement to martyrdom. Yet it says that when Peter was arrested, they prayed for to God for him earnestly. They did not let these other events cast a negative light upon this one. They still prayed for it. Now, we would have to get into a much longer conversation than we have on a 10-minute podcast about why God seems to answer some prayers in some ways and not in others, and why James was allowed um, uh, to be martyred, but Peter was saved. And I'm going to give you a short answer that does not give a full explanation, but that at least helps us maybe kind of move through some of this. And that is the fact that we oftentimes pray for our own comfort, not for what is ultimately going to bring the biggest impact on the kingdom of God. We oftentimes pray for our own comfort. I mean, let's be honest. Most of our prayers, oftentimes when they're for ourselves, center around having pain or difficulty removed from our lives and, get, and, and providing for us in such a way that it's easygoing. That's ultimately what we're looking for. But what we discover in Scripture and what's revealed to us over and over again is that the best place to live in life is not a life where there is no trouble, but a life where we are absolutely dependent upon Jesus in the midst, even in the midst of trouble. Because there's no such thing as a life in this world that is without trouble. Because this world is a troubled place. Jesus even said so himself. In this world, you will find trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. 
He says, I told you these things so you can have peace in me because you're going to have trouble in the world, period. It's the reality. So what we want to understand from this is, and what my question for you is today, what have you stopped praying for? Because you have succumbed to the lie that God doesn't care anyway, or that God's not going to respond anyway, or God didn't respond the way you wanted to in this other circumstance, so therefore he's probably not going to do here, so why bother? What I want to encourage you today is two things. One, if you haven't been praying about it, it doesn't seem to be going your way, stop and ask, God, is there something else you're either wanting to do here instead, or is there something you're wanting to do through this that I just need to partner with you on? And perhaps God is wanting to use it in a different way other than what you're praying for, and you just haven't heard that. So ask that, okay? Check with God. See what it is that maybe he wants to do. You might find, discover, just as we do in some other places within the New Testament, that God can do something more by allowing you to stay in that because of his strength being displayed in you. You know, Paul discovers when he asks three times for the thorn to be removed from his flesh, his physical ailment, that, uh, you know, three times Jesus says, no, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in your weakness. Maybe that's it. And maybe it's just... And maybe it's just because we haven't really buckled down and really trusted God because we've already got in our mind God doesn't care anyway or God's not going to act anyway or it's not going to change anything. God's already set his mind. He's going to do what he's going to do. It doesn't really matter what I say or what I pray. I'm going to argue to you that's not true. It does matter what you say. It does matter what you pray. Prayer changes things. Prayer makes a difference. That's the point of this chapter. The church earnestly prays. God acts in a miraculous way. I believe God's still in the work of doing miraculous things in our lives if we earnestly pray to him. And if it's not going our way the way we want, we need to be double-checking in with God and saying, God, is there something else you're wanting to do here with this? Am I only praying just for my own comfort when really there's something greater that you can do with this if I will just partner with you in it? And see what and see what you can do. So I'm going to invite you to go back and reread this. It's an awesome account, uh, but don't bypass that line that the church was earnestly praying for Peter, uh, and and then see what God does. So hey, I hope you have an awesome and amazing day. Lift those prayers up. Pray earnestly. See what God can do, and uh, partner with Him in whatever way, direction He takes you. As you go through the rest of this day and we continue to journey together, I pray that you will keep on living unleashed.